Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Yes, then the IRS. Uh, he's with us today here on the telephone. And, uh, and Dan, every time we have you on, folks are just amazed by the way that the IRS handles things and, 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 and the way things take place. Kind of bring us up to speed on uh, on your latest projects, my friend. Yeah, my latest project, uh, James, is the, uh, the the revision and re-release of my best-selling book, uh, How to Get Tax Amnesty. This is the book that has helped hundreds of thousands of people over the years since it was originally released in 1992, it's helped hundreds of thousands of people to reduce or eliminate tax debts they can't pay. And the book has gone through nine revisions, and I just finished uh, early early this year rewriting the thing from cover to cover. Uh, they've re, you know, just revamped it. The, the entire thing is all brand new and updated. It's expanded and, and uh, more more detail, more uh, explanation in there than ever before, and so that's the that's the latest project. Now uh, Dan Pilla joins us today here in our broadcast, coast to coast, border to border, on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and the brand new Cheeky Jaguar app available in the App Store, CheekyJaguar.us. He is the tax expert. He's with us today here on the telephone. Now um, th- th- there is a lot going on when it when it concerns the IRS. Um, first of all, how did you get so involved writing so many books about the IRS and, uh, and, and how you're coping with this agency? Well, I got started writing books uh, early in the 19, uh, well, in the mid-1980s. Uh, and I wrote a book that, that exposed the IRS's strategic plan. At that time, they released a strategic plan, which was a five-year plan to audit every taxpayer every year and create and maintain a sense of presence in the lives of all Americans. In other words, they wanted to step up enforcement to the point where American citizens were concerned about the idea of the IRS watching their every move and you know, essentially uh, looking around every corner to see what, what the typical taxpayer is doing. And, you know, it's a, it's, it's, and, and these are their words, not mine, as far as creating and maintaining a sense of presence. This is exactly the phrase that the IRS used, and they described it in, in, in such a way as to make the reader believe that what we're dealing with here is an agency that was that was literally uh, working to establish a, a, a network of of access to every public and private database in the country. And of course, in 1985, that wasn't such a realistic idea. But you know, fast forward 20 years, and all of a sudden, it makes a lot of sense. And so that was the first book I wrote, and I wrote it as an expose uh, for the purposes of telling people what the IRS is up to. And from that point forward, uh, my books have focused on taxpayers' rights, issues, and problems resolution. What I discovered after writing that book was that there's so many people in America that are in trouble with the IRS at some level. They have tax debts they owe and can't pay, or they're going through tax audits, or they're facing uh, enforcement action, wage levies, bank levies, that sort of thing, uh, or they're dealing with uh, cancellation of debt income, which has been a, a, a tremendously uh, negative phenomenon here in the last uh, seven or eight years, really since 2008, when the uh, when America slipped into recession. So there's, there's, there's 
a lack of information out there. Uh, you know, believe it or not, with all the information that's on the internet, there is a lack of hard information on how specifically to deal with the IRS and how to specifically solve IRS problems. And so that's why I've been uh, I've been driven to do this for all these years. We've got Dan Pilla joining us today. He joins us live 31 minutes after the hour, and uh, there is a lot going on with Dan Pilla. He is in the process of redoing one of his bestsellers and uh, putting it back out there. Um, guide us through how we can win, uh, really win a tax audit. Well, you, you, first of all, understand what causes tax audits. The vast majority of audits are... are are caused by the IRS performing a statistical analysis of your tax return. A lot of people think that when you're selected for audit, you're selected because you made a mistake, and now you owe the IRS money, and now the IRS is going to get it, and that's just not true. Literally two-thirds of every tax return that's selected for audit is selected on the basis of a computer program called the Discriminant Income Function System, or the DIF program, and, and what, it's, what, it's, what it does uh, is, is that it compares every line of your tax return with national and regional statistical averages for a person in your same income category and profession. If any one line of your return is out of sync with those averages, the difference is scored. The higher the score, the more likely you are to be audited. And, and so what happens is, if you've got an entry on your tax return, let's just say for charitable contributions, that's off, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's high compared to the average, uh, then, then your return is going to be selected and the IRS is going to want to look at your charitable contributions. So the key is to understand a couple of things. Number one, that your return is not selected because there's a mistake. The IRS doesn't know if there's a mistake on your return. They're simply profiling your tax return based on economic or based on uh, financial profiles, and they select your return because they think there may be a mistake. Okay, so it's the uh, it's the uh, 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 you know equivalent of being of being pulled over on on the street. Uh, for for some you know for some arbitrary reason that's that it's it's financial profiling that's what it is, all right. So so that's number one. Number two is you have every opportunity to present information and evidence to prove that your tax return is correct. And as long as you can prove that the tax return is correct, uh, then you're gonna you're gonna get out of there with your money in your pocket. And the third thing to understand is that the IRS's audit results are wrong between sixty to ninety percent of the time. So when they make a determination that you owe more money which is the typical determination they make in, in any audit situation. They almost always find or discover that the taxpayer owes more money, that he made a mistake, but those results are wrong 60 to 90% of the time, and so when you, and, and when you appeal your case, you're going to win based on that, based on that percentage. So, so these are the basic things you need to understand to, to, to win your tax audit. We've got Dan Pilla with us today. He is the tax expert. He joins us today here on the telephone talking a little bit about the IRS. Um, now, there's a lot of folks that uh, <laughs> that are in fear of the IRS. You see those ads on, on TV about, you know, have you been audited? You know, and, you know, are you getting these crazy phone calls from the IRS? You know, all this stuff. Should we fear the IRS, Dan? Well, if you're ignorant, you should fear the IRS. Because, as I, said, you know, I mean, if you don't know what your rights are and you don't know how to deal with the agency, then it's, it's, it is very scary and can be very, very expensive because, as I said, you know, if they audit your return, they're wrong 60 to 90% of the time, and if you don't know how to challenge that, you're going to end up paying taxes you don't owe for sure. 
If you're going through a collection situation, if you owe the IRS money uh, and you don't know how to deal with that collection machine, then you are absolutely going to face wage levies, bank levies, property seizures, and tax liens. If you don't know how to deal with that, you don't know how to minimize and avoid all of those things, you don't know how to get yourself into a situation where you can negotiate a settlement, and that's where, where my latest book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, is so important because it takes the reader step-by-step step through the process of negotiating every aspect of, re of, of resolving uh, resolving your delinquent tax debt through the procedures that are available within the IRS. We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast, Dan Pilla. He is the tax expert. And he's with us today, joining us live, talking about taxes and uh, talking about what we can do uh, to fight the IRS if we happen to be in that situation. Um, does the IRS truly only operate by writing letters only to the public? Do, do they do emails and phone calls? Um, well, well, that, what's going yeah, on there? Yeah, that's a good question because we're seeing so much of this IRS impersonation scam going out there where people will get a phone call from somebody that says, I'm from the uh, Treasury Service and you owe money to the Internal Revenue Division and if you don't pay us immediately, we're going to arrest you tomorrow and throw you in jail. Yep. Listen, these, are, these are scam phone calls. We, we, we also see, we also see uh, emails being sent. A couple things people need to know. First of all, the IRS will never, never do business via email, all right? Okay. Even if you've got an active collection case and you're actively working with a collection officer and, and you know, you're negotiating, you're doing whatever it is you're doing with this person, they are not going to do business through emails. They just don't do it because of the security issue. So if you get an email out of the blue from somebody pretending to be from the federal government collecting taxes, that in and of itself is a sign that, that, that it's a fraud, that it's an impersonator. All right, so don't fall victim to that. The other thing you need to know is, is these people that make phone calls, when you get these phone calls that say, I'm from the Department of the IRS, <laughs> first of all, we don't have a Department of the IRS, okay? We've got a Treasury Department, and we've got an Internal Revenue Service. So we don't have an Internal Revenue Bureau. We don't have an Internal Revenue Department. We've got a Treasury Department and Internal Revenue Service. So the first thing is, what kind of syntax are these people using? It's always messed up syntax because they don't know what they're talking about. All right, that's number one. Number two, even if you legitimately owe money to the IRS, you are going to get a notice in the mail first. Under no circumstances are you going to get a call out of the blue from somebody threatening to arrest you tomorrow if you don't pay X thousand uh, dollars immediately. And, and, and so that's another telltale sign that it's fraud. Even if the IRS wants to seize money from you, they're not going to call you up on the phone and threaten to throw you in jail if you don't come up with the money. And that's the other thing. Even if the IRS is conducting an active criminal investigation, they're never going to call you on the phone and tell you that we will stop the investigation if you pay us $2,500 tomorrow. <laughs> None of those things will ever happen. All right? So you know, you just absolutely know that anybody that's making that kind of a phone call is a scam artist, and they're trying to steal your money under the guise of working for the IRS. We've got the fabulous, fabulous Dan Pilla with us today. He joins us live here on the telephone talking about the IRS. And um, th this, this whole situation with taxpayers' rights, what rights do we really have when it comes to the IRS? Well, you, I mean, you got a you got a you got a book full of them, frankly. I mean, a couple of books full of them. Uh, let, let's talk about collection situations because that's the thing that that just brings chills down the spine of 
of taxpayers, particularly folks that owe money to the IRS that they can't pay. You owe twenty or thirty or forty thousand dollars to the IRS, and they're threatening uh, to take collection action. I mean, that is a serious problem. Uh, there's a couple of things that, that you need to know about the collection function, and, and, and this, these could be the two most important things that you need to know about the collection function. And, and, and the first thing is, before the IRS can touch a nickel's worth of any of your assets, before they can seize a nickel from your bank account, your paycheck, before they can touch an automobile, they can't touch a spoon in your drawer, okay, <laughs> until they go through this process. And, and that process is called the, uh, the final notice process. And then this gets back to the scam phone calls, okay? They're n you're never going to get a, a call out of the blue because if you legitimately owe money to the IRS, they have to mail what's called a final notice of intent to levy and notice of your right to a hearing before they can touch a nickel's worth of anything. Now, that notice comes in one of two forms. It's either a letter 1058, letter 1058, or it's a letter LT11, and depending on which office mails it will depend on which version they use. But the language of the letter is exactly the same, and what it says is this is a final notice of intent to levy, this is your notice of your right to a hearing. If you file a request for a hearing within 30 days, then we can't levy anything, okay? So, so now if, uh, you, you've got the important right to what's called a collection due process hearing. If you file a request for collection due process hearing within 30 days of that final notice letter, two very important things happen. Number one, the IRS is automatically stopped from collecting, from enforcing collection at any level. Okay, this is an automatic stop in the collection process. They can't levy a paycheck, a bank account. As I said, they can't take a spoon out of your drawer. There's nothing they can do while that case is on appeal. So that's number one. Number two, the case then goes to the appeals office. All right, so it goes out of the hands of the collection function into the hands of the appeals office, and the written job description of the appeals office is to negotiate a settlement with the taxpayer. All right, so in the context of a collection due process case, then you have the right to present what are called collection alternatives. And that means the IRS has got to consider what options you put on the table to resolve the case, whether it's an installment agreement or freezing the case as uncollectible or getting into a compromise deal where you pay less than you owe to settle the case uh, or, or you, you, you work to cancel the penalties and pay off the balance. There's any number of different strategies, and the IRS has got to consider all of them. We've got Dan Pilla joining us today here in our broadcast, Coast to Coast to Border to Border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and the brand new Jiggy Jaguar app available in the App Store, JiggyJaguar.us. He is educating us today about the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, and uh, uh, can we really negotiate with the IRS to lower what we owe? Yeah, absolutely. No question about it. Um, when, we're, when we're talking about the appeals process, you know, as I said, the IRS is wrong 60 to 90 percent of the time. So when you ex exercise that that appeal right, you're gonna you're gonna negotiate with the appeals officer to substantially reduce what they say you owe before it ever becomes assessed. Once it's assessed and they're trying to collect it, now you've got an option called an offer and compromise. And I talk about this in my book, How to Get Tax Amnesty. I talk about it at length. In fact, it's the most detailed discussion on the offer and compromise that's ever been written for the American public. This is a very, very detailed analysis that shows you step by step exactly how to negotiate with these guys to go through there and say, and just for example, you go in, the, you go in there and you say, look guys, I owe you $50,000, but there's no way I can pay that. 
but I can pay, let's say, 5000 Well, okay, that proposes a $0.10 cent on the dollar settlement. If you can prove to the IRS, and I show you exactly how to do this, if you can prove to the IRS that 5000 is the most you can pay, then you will, you will get a settlement of $0.10 cents on the dollar to resolve your tax debt. All right, and, and that's a very real thing. We do this all the time. And, and in fact, in a lot of cases, 10 cents on the dollar is high. It just depends on the facts and circumstances of the individual case because everybody's case is different based on what they owe and what they can pay. And so that's what the settlement is based on. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. Dan Pillett joins us 42 minutes, or actually, excuse me, 49 minutes after the hour here on our big broadcast, Coast to Coast to Border to Border. And um, are decisions of tax auditors always final? No, they're never final. They're never final. And this is a very important point because I've alluded to earlier that you got the right to appeal it. What happens when the tax audit is complete the tax auditor will ask you to sign an examination report. If you sign the examination report, then you agree to pay the amount of money that's expressed in the report, okay? So that's what most people do is they end up signing that report because they don't understand their right to appeal. So if you don't sign the report, then the, then the, the IRS has got to, uh, then, then you have 30 days from the date of that letter, the, the examination report, to file a, a simple protest letter and you, you send the protest letter back to the tax examiner. There's, there's always an address on the letter where you're supposed to send it to. Uh, and when you send that protest letter and you're explaining a couple of things in the letter, number one, you explain that you disagree with the audit determination. Uh, number two, you explain why you disagree and you give specific facts to support your, your disagreement. And so when you send that in, then your case is taken out of the hands of the examination function and it goes into the appeals office. We already talked about the appeals office. Their written job description is to negotiate settlements with taxpayers. So when you get your case in front of appeals, that's where you're going to negotiate your best, your best outcome. We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on the telephone. Dan Pilla joins us, and uh, we are going to be wrapping it up here with Dan Pilla here in a few moments. Uh, many people have said we don't have to pay taxes at all according to our Constitution. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about this. Yeah, well, the short answer to that is it doesn't work. You know, there, there's all kinds of folks around, running around the country that say the tax laws are unconstitutional or were never properly ratified or income is, you know, only applies to corporations or, or uh, you know, uh, uh, foreign nationals in, in the United States and doesn't apply to you. I mean, there's all kinds of different arguments. And, in fact, on my website, um, which is taxhelponline.com, it's all one word, taxhelponline.com, I've got a special report. There's all kinds of reports on the website that we offer free of charge. But one of the reports is entitled The Untaxed Promise. And in that report, I detail a great number of these so-called untaxing arguments that say, well, this, you know, if you do this, you won't be taxed. And if you do that, you won't be taxed. And, you know, I, I look at all these various uh, constitutional arguments and so-called tax protester arguments, and I debunk all of them using decisions of the United States Tax Court that have rejected all of these various arguments. So you really got to be careful with that stuff. You got to stay away from that stuff because it's just going to get you in trouble. We've got a uh, great guest with us today joining us live here on the telephone, Dan Pilla. He is our guest, and uh, he is talking with us about the IRS. Can the IRS threaten us in any way at all? 
Oh, sure, they threaten you. I mean, there's no question they can threaten you. There's no doubt about that, and particularly. And let's get back to this collection situation, because the collection thing is really where a lot of it occurs. Uh, a lot of it occurs in audits, too, but, but, the, but the most serious threats are in the collection arena where IRS... Uh, uh, tax collectors are called revenue officers. Revenue officers will will often threaten to levy a bank account or, or levy a paycheck or or you know uh, seize an automobile. And 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 in a lot of in a lot of these cases, these threats are not hollow because these collection officers have that power as long as they have followed all the rules and and uh, and. Uh, um, you know, giving you the proper notices and so forth. So those threats can be real. That's why people need to know uh, what their rights are in the collection situation, uh, how to deal with any collection situation, uh, because if you don't, the IRS very, very, very uh, likely could run you over in terms of enforcing collection. So that's why you just simply have to have uh, this book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, which takes you step by step through this process of dealing with the collection function. It is Dan Pilla. He's with us today. As we wrap up with you, my friend, how do we get a hold of you online, connect with you, all that fun stuff? Yeah, the, uh, the uh, web address for, is, is taxhelponline.com. It's all one word, no spaces of any kind, taxhelponline.com. Uh, my office phone number is 1-800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-N-O-T-A-X. Or go to the website, taxhelponline.com. Well, thank you, sir. We will be in touch. I appreciate it, Dan. Have yourself a wonderful day. All right. Thanks, you too. Thank you, brother. Dan Pilla. Johnny Islam. We're going to be back here in a few moments. Don Mazzella, Dan Perkins coming up. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.